everybody, welcome to episode 47 of So I've Been Told. My name is Adam Kramer, and this is my podcast. On this episode, my guest is Nathaniel Fitzgerald, and Nathaniel plays in the band Spaceships. He's also in Bears His Teeth and Dad Jokes, and he and I, you know, we've been Facebook friends for a while, but we hadn't actually met. I don't even know how we became Facebook friends. Uh, but we discovered that we know a lot of uh, a lot of the same people and are into a lot of the same stuff. So it was a lot of fun to hang out with Nathaniel over the internet and talk music and wrestling and all that. Uh, but anyway, I really hope you enjoy the conversation we had. Uh, so I'm not going to take too much time before we get right to it. But before you hear our conversation, I am going to play the song Quicksand by Spaceships. Enjoy!
so tell me how we'll just jump right in so how did you first like get into um music and specifically kind of underground music and punk and you know punk in the the broadest sense you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. diy yeah um, man i really it's it's a weird thing because like i'm from a musical family and like my parents were both in vocal groups in college and uh both like my mom was on the worship team my sister is very musical and like had solos in every single choir thing but like i wasn't into it yeah <laughs> like at all so i actually remember this class project in fifth grade where uh there's a diagram of a brain and you're supposed to divide it up based on the classes on like the subjects and classes and stuff that you're interested in and I specifically asked my teacher if I had to have all of them because I hated music class <laughs> and I didn't want anything. I it was like, I don't want to have this on here. It doesn't appeal to my brain at all. Yeah. Um, and when she made me do it, I wrote, I had like the smallest little thing I could do and like the ugliest color green I could find. Um, but then... The next year, we had to do a music class. And so in sixth grade, in middle school, we, it was a requirement to take um, either band, orchestra, choir, or whatever. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to play the freaking violin. And I wasn't <laughs> about to play the trumpet. So there was this class called Piano Lab that mm. a friend of mine did a tour through the class and told me that he saw drum sets in there, and I was like, oh, I'll bang on a drum set, cool. Um, and despite the fact that there actually were no drum sets in the piano lab, uh, I, like, it was basically, they taught us how to read the staff, and then, like, just set us off on our own. It, like, gave us free reign to basically do whatever you wanted. So, oh, like, cool. I would sit in front of this keyboard for 45 minutes a day and mess with different songs and mess with melodies and learn how to play Ode to Joy and learn how to play Star Wars and whatever. Yeah. And, like, actually, like, learn how to manipulate music myself. And it, like, completely came on hinge. Like, it was oh, sweet. just, like, this is all I wanted to do now. And so I, it was literally the first week, I think, Maybe it might have been the first day of school. I came home from school and like demanded that my mom get me like I begged my mom for a keyboard. Like went oh, out cool. to the Radio Shack and bought like a sixty dollar <laughs> keyboard. Nice. And I just like sat at it playing Ode to Joy in different noises. Yeah. And, like going through all like the MIDI one twenty eight or whatever, <laughs> you know, just like all the sounds and playing, you know, goofing around on the on the keyboard on the, like the drum drum sounds or whatever yeah um we just like fell in love with it and got a bass for my 13th birthday the next year and then um got a guitar pretty quickly after that and it really um i think it where where my interest in like punk and diy stuff and like more heavy stuff because like really like even though i was playing music i wasn't really I listened to Weird Al. Like, that's basically it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. really into some stuff until, um, in, man, end of seventh grade, my best friend, uh, introduced me to 
Zayo Project 86 and POD like all at the same time. Oh, nice. And cool. So it was just this like um, huge awakening of like, oh man, like I didn't know music could do this. Yeah. To me, like I didn't know that it could it could make me feel these things. So, um, uh, got really into that, and then so my best friend had an older brother named Tyler. His best friend was named Tyler, and they both like would go to the Christian music bookstore and buy all the tooth and nail stuff. Yeah. Like, um, we would burn copies for ourselves and like just (laughs) listen to those. And so, uh, that became like that's that's how I sort of got into it. Um, and then like when they got older and graduated and I was the only one of my friends that had the internet at home. And so I would just like look up other stuff and got into pop punk, got into emo and got into like post hardcore. Yeah. Just from, just from Googling, like, all right, like, well, I guess Google wasn't a thing back then. Like (laughs) it was, it was news groups and the tooth and nail website then wherever those would take me. So I would like just go through like, it was really just the tooth and nail website and like looking at the bands that they all called influences and looking up those bands. Yep. <laughs> and like looking through the CD liners to like, who are these bands thinking? Yep. And like looking up those bands. And so that's how I got into like Center Day Real Estate, Fugazi, and uh, Jawbox and like the real, like the real actual yeah sick sick when did you start playing well so did you start like kind of playing with other people like in a church setting before you started playing in a in a band um yeah yes sweet yeah Yeah. that's that that's one thing i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good and bad you can say about growing up in church but it's it definitely is good for uh for getting people plugged into playing music with other people early on for sure and i started playing because again, I was around it. My mom yeah. was on the worship team. My dad was running sound, and um, so Travis, Tyler, and Tyler were actually in the youth worship band okay. when Travis was in seventh grade. He, mm-hmm. um, and so I was not around, but he was playing keyboards, and Tyler and Tyler played bass and drums in a ska band called The Dinkles that doubled as the worship band. Nice. <laughs> and so, um, their guitarist graduated when I was, I think, in freshman year. I think end of my freshman year they graduated. So then, that summer I started playing guitar in the worship band. Because cool. the, and it, I mean, I was writing my own pop punk emo nonsense in my bedroom, but like, um, it was really when I'm there playing every week in a church that I'm like figuring out like, Oh, like this is the space I should be taking up instead of just trying to do everything myself, which honestly is still a learning process. (laughs) I feel like every time I, I feel like every time I like go to a show and watch somebody, I like a, to watch a band of like really good musicians I'm just like oh that's how you play guitar oh that's how <laughs> that's how a drummer writes that's how you play in 6-8 like, yeah 
Now, so did uh, did playing in the you know the youth worship band uh, also mean that you were a part of that ska band as well, or was had that faded away I by then? I was not in the ska band. <laughs> so the those guys were keys, drum, and guitar, or okay. keys, drums, and bass, and the the people like the guitarist and vocalists and horn players all graduated. Okay, and so. By the time I joined the worship team, it was no longer Nidinkles. Yeah, um, And it was just a worship band, and it was fronted by the uh, the vice president of a local high school. Okay. <laughs> or vice, vice principal of a local high school. Oh, wow. Jake Boger, who so, wanted so hard to be the dude from their day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So is this all, did you grow up in the area where you're in now? And you're, you're in South Bend, right? Yeah, I'm in South Bend. I grew up in Granger, which is a small, it's the basically the suburb up there, yeah. um, up north, and which is a really weird sort of, um, it's a really weird sort of like disconnect between like the community I grew up in and like where I grew up now. Because like, my mom is still lives there. She's it's 15 minutes away. Yeah, my church is, you know a couple blocks away from the the neighborhood that we moved in with my stepdad. Yeah. Um, but like there's this whole like downtown and like culture and parts and things happening and parts of town that I didn't know existed. Like I would basically just like go to the strip malls and like hang out at the hang out at Walmart to waste time and go to the mall. Yeah. And, like, that's what I knew of the town, you know? Yeah. Um, but now, like, yeah, I went to college at, in Bethel College, which is here as well. It's a mile okay. from my house, right? Um, and it was, like, as soon as I got there and was living there, which was only seven miles away from my parents' house, I was just blown away at, like, oh, like, there's, like, a city here. This is, like, a, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like an urban area <laughs> this is really weird <laughs> all right so is that you think it's you must you must like sort of like it there if you're, you've stayed there that whole time i didn't stay here that whole time oh, okay actually um after college i had my mind well i i um was studying christian ministry and basically you know did an internship with a pastor at a church the Detroit area that okay. basically the only thing I learned was that I didn't want to work in church. Um, <laughs> and so I graduated with my ministry degree and then was like, I'm not going to go work in a church. I'm going to, I want to do music. I'm going to move to Chicago and pursue music. Okay. And so I moved to Chicago right after I graduated and um, I was, you know, busking in subways and I was recording in my apartment and trying to get people together to play shows and like hanging out at open mics and calling distributors and you know trying to trying to uh, network with label reps and stuff like that and just trying to like do the thing you know like yeah. do the real thing was completely intent on like we're finishing this album that I've been working on almost all through college. It was like three years I was working on this mm. album that ended up being seven tracks long. 
Um, and at one point it was supposed to be 16 tracks long, but I was like, no, that's excessive. <laughs> um, but... And was this all, like, solo type, type stuff, or... Yeah, there was a period in my life where I... Well, so I, like, was playing post-hardcore and emo in high school, and then when I moved to college, like, I was in the same town, so, like, the guys were still in the area, but it was just, like, I don't know if it was just schedules or dreams changing or what. It's just, yeah. like, all of a sudden I don't have a band anymore. And so I had an acoustic guitar, though, and so I heard... I heard I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning by Bright Eyes. I'm like, oh, I can do this by myself. Nice. So just like did I, in, a, in a former life, I was a, a lo-fi folk singer. Um, <laughs> Side note, do you, have, uh, have you listened to the new, the new Bright Eyes yet? I listened to about half of it. I'm going to have to give it another shot. My first reaction when I started it was like, oh, this intro is not engaging at all. <laughs> and like, that just like basically set me up for the rest of the listen to be like, I don't actually like this. Gotcha. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, that, that intro was a little little long and drawn out. Yeah, it accomplished in 30 seconds what it did and what it tried to do in four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> we can, we can yeah, but, move on. Right, but so I was in Chicago, and I was... Uh, my phone doesn't want to flip upside down. Um, I was working on all this stuff. Like, it was like a sort of lo-fi folk record sort of deal. I had a roommate who was really into weird music, and so, like, stuff like Kraftwerk and okay. Can and uh, Jay Riotard and New Order and Hum and, like, stuff like that. So yeah. I, like, really expanded my mind to, like, what interest, what other interesting things I might be able to do. And yeah. so I ended up covering this folk record like, a whole bunch of weird, like, fuzzy guitar and auto-tuned cello <laughs> and weird vintage keyboards nice and is that still available so, is that like on the internet uh, or yeah 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 uh, it should be I think the it, that was a rocket named justice and I believe hmm. that it's still up on Bandcamp. cool nice <laughs> um I like to link every like anything that's mentioned that I can you know throw yeah, a link yeah. in the notes for yeah yeah sweet um so I was in I was in Chicago working on all this stuff when I had the realization that I hated almost all of it. Um, I didn't like working on music. I didn't like uh, recording. I didn't like like the like any of the business that I had to do for it. I just hated all of it. Yeah. So I um, I made the decision first and foremost to that when I finished it I was going to give give away the album for free and like once I did that it became like this really freeing thing but then there was still the matter of that I hated living in Chicago okay <laughs> so, I love Chicago like don't get me wrong like it, but it was like a there was a weird there was a weird sort of situation with the roommate said roommate is one of the in, individuals that inspired the song quicksand that we can talk to talk about later okay um but just this weird toxic abusive situation and then at the same time um there are a whole bunch of people who are back here in south bend a few of my diy friends um my now wife as well right. and they were like you know like it's not that they got together and started this community called river park arts community 
uh, or collective. I think there was some disagreement even then about which, whether it was community <laughs> or collective. Uh, but River Park is a neighborhood down here in Southbound. It, my wife runs a business there now. Um, the venue that we play most of our shows at is there. Coffee House there. I host an open mic there. Um, and the idea behind our pack was basically like, you know, it's not like there aren't good artists in South Bend. It's just there's yeah. no community for it. Um, so people like are working in isolation. Everyone's they might know a couple of musicians that are out there, but there's really no support system. And so what if we invested in it? and actually build that community up. And I'm in Chicago working my ass off for these song for this thing that I am not sure I want to do anymore. Yeah. And I'm looking at this in the rear view and I'm like, I think I think at first it was like that's a really great idea. I hope it goes well for you guys. <laughs> but then after a while it was like I think what happened was I, I went to an open mic and was talking to the host there and we were talking a little bit and he asked where I was from. I mentioned that I was moved in, I had just moved to the city and he asked where I was from and I told him and he said, oh my apologies, South Bend's a great place. I'm like, God, ah, you're right, you're right. And I, um, I mean, part of it was that I, the job that I had was sort of lost due to corruption from Chicago Public School mm. Administration. but. Um, but then, I mean, but that was mostly just like the final push I needed just to be like, all right, I'm moving home. Yeah. I'm moving home. And just being able to do that on my own terms was important because, like, I didn't want to, like, there I, I had like 25 bucks in my bank account most of the time while I was there. Uh, but, like, being able to pay off the rest of my rent, actually, like, still have money in the bank and still be okay with yeah. that decision. Like, that it, that it was my decision was, like, important. But so, then, like, since then, though, it's just, you know, putting the hand of the plow and doing the work of, like, investing in an artistic community and yeah. supporting creators and musicians and artists in this place. And for the few, for first few years, people thought we were real crazy. Um, like, we would, <laughs> we would give them the pitch and they'd be like, yeah, sure, okay. Um, but then about six or, six or seven years ago, there's a the first music festival in South Bend. Mm-hmm. And then that happened the next year, and it happened the next year. And then now there are um, maybe around four or five. I mean, this is a weird year to talk about how many yeah. festivals there are. But there are about <laughs> four, four or five different music festivals that happen or art festivals that happen in South Bend and I'm involved with uh, at least three of them depending on the day depending yeah. on the year Sweet. now what's what's the name of the, the one that uh, is kind of tied in with uh, you know the, the Flood City people and all of our that mutual Bloodline. friends Bloodline Bloodline I couldn't Bloodline remember the name possible. of that yeah we actually so Pat Quigley is um Another guy in town here, he's my drummer, and okay. also a ska band called Dad Jokes, so I did finally get in that ska band. Um, <laughs> and he's in Analecta and runs the well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know he was also... People. I've seen Analecta play, but I didn't know yeah. that, you know, they that yeah, he's the shared members. Cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so he was also one of the guys in our pack when I was in Chicago. Okay. Um, but so we went... Dad jokes played at Flood City Fest, 
and he and I both like went to this place for the first time and we were looking around and we're like we could do this we could organize something like this <laughs> and talked to Kevin Shalareth about you know kind of went to him asking for like advice on how to do it and ended up, then it ended up that the three of us were doing a festival together yeah um, nice. but and it worked out because it was uh, there was a festival called Tickled Fest at Grand yep. Rapids that ended the year before we started Bloodline. Okay. Yeah. And the way the schedule fell fell around, it ended up that Bloodline was the same weekend that Takehold usually was. Okay. Um, which wasn't like any sort of intentional replacement. Yeah. For it, but like our my thought process in particular was that there was this community of that I uh, of musicians and artists and fans that I had grown very fond of and very um, very loved by and like through Audio Feed and Flood City and from people playing through my town, people playing through my house and yeah. staying in my guest room that I was just like you know what, Like it's a shame that I only get to see these people a couple times a year, I'm going to see them one more time, yeah. I'll see them another time so we started Bloodline to like make another hub for that community to sort of yeah. to sort of grow and then also to like add people to that community because yeah. there are some other musicians that we know that would be a really good fit like both stylistically and like personally like people who would be a great addition to this community of people um that we want to like it's sort of like a like a setting them up on, on a blind date sort of thing it's like <laughs> hey like i hear all these people that i know who are coming to this festival here's this guy who I know would be really good with these people. Yeah. Like I'm going to have his band play this fast and hopefully get to know some people. And so there's been some, there's been some love connections that have happened. So there's a local band here called, uh, the flying to Selms who are just wild. It is, um, they wear costumes Nice. and the lead singer plays with a paper bag on his head. <laughs> they have a, Paper mache, a giant paper mache head of this guy named Andrew DeSelm, who's a, a friend of the singer of the bands of mine. Yeah. Uh, he was actually one of my camp counselors, <laughs> but he was an RG nice. at the whole when I was there. But they have a paper mache of his head, and somebody wears it and just dances around with this big, <laughs> giant, three foot head. And we were like, people are going to love this. Like, this is like exact. And he's like, got a very similar background to us. And so we invited the flying Selms to play at bloodline fest and they did. And people loved it. And then this past year, they were supposed to play at flood city, um, which unfortunately was canceled. But like, there's like got hooked up in that crowd. Yeah. Cause we threw them up on bloodline. Awesome. Really great. Yeah. I was, I was planning on coming to the last bloodline that happened. And then I, don't remember what happened. Something happened that I couldn't make it, but uh, you know, I was, I was, I was like, dude, I'm like, there were so many, so many people that I like, because I've been booking shows here in Rochester for, I mean, I'm not right. I, I mean, obviously nobody's right now, but like, you know, the last yeah. year or two, I've kind of backed off because I've just kind of had other life stuff going on. But right. you know, I, so all of I would bring all of these bands through Rochester, and then I was like, oh, all like. It was like I know like half of the lineup that's playing Bloodline and like yeah. <laughs> I think I've told you like my 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 first cousin lives in he's 
he's a youth pastor, or not a youth pastor, he's a music pastor in Elkhart. So I was like, you know, I have like my cousins there, I've got all these friends, wow. and then I ended up not being able to make it anyway. But, oh, man. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think a lot of that's the spillover from like the Flood City lineup. Yes. Yeah. There's some, like a whole bunch of like Pennsylvania and upstate New York bands that yeah. got tied in here. Uh, and so through Kevin. Yeah. Uh, and so we're like, yeah, these bands are great. We saw them at Flood City. If they can get here, yeah. <laughs> let's get them here. Yeah, so. Uh... Now, are the the two active bands that you're a part of? Is it dad? So it's dad jokes and spaceships. Or is that? Yeah. Uh, do you have any? You know, yeah. the, those are the main yeah. things. Yeah, those are the main things. So dad jokes is also only like sort of pseudo active in okay. that we wrote a handful of scout songs four or five years ago, and that we're <laughs> just been playing those same songs, <laughs> um, and mostly only at festivals. Uh, we play very few shows because um, there's like nine of us and yeah. our trumpet player, our new trumpet player lives in Milwaukee. Okay. So she didn't used to live in Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, Spaceships is the main thing. Uh, I also just during the pandemic started a remote band with some friends of mine called Bears' nice. Teeth, okay. uh, which has people from different bands that have been like around so like um shoot i forget our singer's old band uh it was like a sort of melodic hardcore saturday real estate sort of thing okay or not saturday uh for the scenes forever Wait. sort of thing um hopes fail or senses fail sort of deal uh, and then our bassist was in a band is he and his wife have a folk project called uh the bell and the hammer that's really really great nice um really strong like uh over the rhine okay innocence mission sort of vibes um then our other guitarist besides me used to be in a couple hardcore bands called subsist and dead to fall okay i think dead to fall was on victory records for a okay. hot minute yeah the name um, the name sounds familiar but, yeah but then our uh our drummer which was weird because it wasn't he wasn't supposed to be a drummer. It was just supposed to be like us. And there's another friend that was gonna play bass, but he had to duck. So Dan, who was playing bass now, was gonna move. He moved, or he was playing drums. And he moved to bass, and then our singer Adam, who knows freaking everybody, asked uh, his friend Matt Putman, who has played in Unwed Sailor, Living Sacrifice, <laughs> Iso Karis, Norma yeah. Jean, or like. Okay. Yeah. So like, <laughs> that's what I did today. Was I sent the old drummer of Living Sacrifice a we transfer link so he could record drum tracks for our song. Sick. That's awesome. So have you have you done well, I'm much? Trying to, I'm trying to. Oh, I also have a also have a solo project called Nativity that does almost nothing ever okay. because there's no one to hold me accountable. <laughs> I wrote an album almost seven years ago. Six years ago, sometime. Yeah. Wrote a full album. I've recorded three songs from it. <laughs> but I released a, I released a, a single earlier this year. Nice. So. so have you done have you done a lot of touring in in these different bands? Um. um just various different uh, festivals. And okay. Stuff. Yeah. Um, most of the guys that I'm with, most of the people I'm playing with are all 
really busy folks. And so uh, it's hard to get the time. Spaceships is actually going to take our first tour this summer. Yeah. In, uh, in, launch, in promotion of our album. <laughs> yeah. So we were supposed to launch the album last week in June, and then we were going to hit up the Midwest for a few dates before landing at Audio Feed. Yeah. Um, but all that happened. So <laughs> instead, the record came out uh, a few weeks ago instead of June. Um, but it's still really great. It's uh, It's been a really interesting learning experience trying to promote an album, release an album, when all of the methods of promoting and releasing an album can't be done. Yeah. Yeah, I finally I finally listened to the whole record. I, I, I actually finished it a little bit before uh, we called. Yeah. So I, re- I really dug it. It's funny you mentioned Quicksand, because yeah. I think that probably was my favorite, my favorite track on the record. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I really dug it. I got a lot of a lot of thrice type vibes. Oh yeah, brother. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just feel like handing the air disc of Alchemy Index to the, oh, yeah. the guys and being like, "This is what we're doing. <laughs> this is what we do." Um, no, so actually, it's funny because uh, the last record that we wrote, "Son of Man," was we sort so. Spaceships was born out of a rocket named Justice. Okay. Um, the old folks thing. So the first Spaceships record was actually supposed to be the second rocket named Justice record. I was sitting in my apartment, sitting in my basement in my mom's house, sitting in my at the church I was working at later, recording all of these tracks myself. And every once in a while, I would bring in uh, my friend Wes, who is a much better drummer than I was. <laughs> Uh, to record a part that I couldn't do, or like I'd bring in like a saxophonist or a cellist or something. But it was mo- it was mostly just me over a few years recording everything myself, and then um, it was funny because like right before I released the album, I well actually so before back way back before a rocket injustice, so like. I used to play shows under Nathaniel Fitzgerald versus the Industrial Revolution, okay. which is how you know I was a real lo-fi folk guy, because <laughs> um, I had a really super long name. And I had a trumpet player who would sometimes play with me named Chester, and he would he joked that we should start calling ourselves Chester Shepard and the Rockets of Justice, <laughs> just to like confuse people or whatever. And... Adam, when I moved to Chicago, I was like, man, Nathaniel Fitzgerald versus the Industrial Revolution is way too long to say. I <laughs> hate saying it. It's like a tongue twister every time you say it. And so I was like, I'm going to change it. You know what? I'm going to change it to a rocket injustice. And then I was like, ah, what if I shortened even more to spaceships? And I was talking to my friend Brendan about it. He goes, actually, I like a rocket injustice. I'm like, okay. So right before I was going to release. I Am a Storm at Sea, which is the first Spaceships record, second Rocket Injustice record, whatever, I was getting a band together to put to play the songs live, because I never really did that with okay. the first yeah. Justice record. I just released it and like would play open mics and whatever else. Like I never really like got a to like did an album release show or anything like that. Yeah. So but I was like, I want to play these songs live. I want to like do the thing. So. I got a band together, I got a couple guys, and then 
I was putting everything together and I'm working on all the art for the album. And I'm like, you know what? I hate saying Rocket Injustice. It's so long. <laughs> it's so cumbersome. I hate explaining it to people. Spaceships. It's just spaceships now. And <laughs> it's like, but as soon as I started playing with those guys, like the songs took a lot on a life of their own. Yeah. And so all these songs that I had written is like this sort of like weird bedroom folk that maybe would have like some avant-garde stuff in it here and there. Like I was, I was listening to a lot of amnesia. Right? Okay. Um, but like I had intent, I thought it was like this, like sort of like subdued, like sort of creepy album. But as soon as I heard those songs played live by a band, I was like, Oh, I didn't know these songs at all. <laughs> and so it opened up this sort of like punk energy that I didn't know was there. And, but it was still sort of like an indie rock thing. So I, I started writing more in like the mindset of a, of a full indie rock band. But then in between writing the songs on what became Son of Man and recording that album, um, besides drummer changes and stuff, started finding out that like, as I got to know the other guys in the band, like we actually really kind of like heavy music. And yeah. so we took all these songs that we wrote as an indie band and just like tried to play them as loud as we could. Just spaced them out and yeah. played them really doomy and just played these songs like they were a metal band. And it really kind of worked. But then like when we wrote these songs and the EP that we came out with uh, last October, which we recorded all at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the big master plan was to record an album, an EP, and a split at the same time. <laughs> And then, like, just drip them as yeah. it went. So the idea was to release an out the EP, promote that really hard so we could get enough money for the album, and then release the album, like, basically in secret. Um, but by the time we were writing those songs, like, we already knew that we were, like, all into metal and yeah. heavy stuff. And so, like, I had already gotten into Death Heaven and Isis and Alcest and stuff by the time I was writing these songs. And so it was written from that space a little more. And also we, we added a new bassist. And so we added a bassist uh, from Brett, from, who was playing in Dad Jokes with me. Um, he would already fill in at a few times. And I had the realization of like, shoot, our, ben, our, our, our bassist, Ben, who has been playing bass since the very beginning, he's not a bassist. He's a guitarist that, threw a, he's a, <laughs> that I threw a bass at. Yeah. And was like, hey, play this for me. Um, <laughs> And I was like, why don't we bring Brett in on bass and move Ben over to guitar and then just like fill out that space so much more. Mm -hmm. And so in all that, we're already in the spot where we're, we're just like, all right, let's just write heavy. Let's just write as heavy as we can. So Quicksand was literally uh, my first attempt to like, all right, I'm, let's, let's write an honest to goodness metal song. Like, yes. Let's do it. And so it actually like started out. I was listening. Uh, our drummer is super, our drummer Joel is super into uh, progressive metal. Okay. And so uh, he's gotten me into some of that. So I was listening to the most recent Tesseract record, and there's this like big like fork hit in the in the beginning of the of the album. I'm like, oh, this is pretty gnarly. <laughs> what if I rip this off? Nice. <laughs> and then from there, like that's where that's where quicksand. Was then like when we uh there's a song called joy pain on there that like 
I wrote it. That was one of the earlier songs that we started working on. Um, but like, there was a while where I was like, no, this might be too heavy to be a spaceship song. Because um, that song started as a like as an experiment of me asking like, okay, if we were to cover Disconnect Tie by Norma Jean, what would that sound like? <laughs> Weird. Well, I mean, as someone who is like, go obviously like, I mean, I don't even know what led to us becoming Facebook friends, but I, you know, I only know you through Facebook. Right, and right, and weird. so, yeah, which is super weird given the mutual friends we have, and you know, yeah. through through DIY and also through ties to the vineyard. Um, right. But so you know, I don't I don't really know you well, um, and so I feel like I would you know I kind of went into listening to the record being just right. like oh this is just like you know internet friends, and so right. like you know I don't know a whole lot about like what your influences are other than what I've seen you post about. And the record itself sounded very cohesive. It's very cohesive. Nothing on the record stood out as like, like, Oh, this is like, you know, sometimes you listen to a, to a band and it's like, Oh, this song doesn't really fit on the record. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like every Coldplay record. Yeah. Where it's like, Oh man, this song's real good. This song's real good. Oh, they wrote this one for the radio. This song's real good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, part of that, I would like to think, is because we recorded everything live across okay. two weekends. Yeah. Um, so we we picked up actually like in the room where I'm sitting now. Uh, our friend Dave Mantel from Broken Light Records came to record it, uh, and so he set up the mixer like right here next to the desk. And, uh, like, I was situated here with the bassist and guitarist, and all of our pedal boards were, like, right in the middle. We were all looking at each other, (laughs) and all facing each other. The drums were set up in the living room out this door, and Mm. then the amps were spread in different bedrooms. Okay. And then we just hit, like, we just hit record and just played all the songs through. Uh, recorded in order of <laughs> what it appears on, on record, um, except for the EP, which we recorded the weekend before yeah. in order, um, in the exact same the exact same setup. Because um, I think there's part of me just looks back and like the six years I was recording stuff all my own with just the most visceral hatred (laughs) so like if I can just record everything at the same time to capture the sound of because like when I got the band together in the first place like that's when the magic hit you know so like if I want that magic to happen I gotta capture it the way it it is and so we do do everything as live as we can there are a few overdubs um some more technical parts were overdubbed, uh, but mostly it's it's almost all live, uh, and then vocals were done after that. Yeah. And, but um, the other part of the cohesiveness of the record was probably that when we sat down. Sorry. 
I live I live right downtown, and it always happens every time I record a podcast, a fire truck goes by. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, so when we sat down to write or to record a record an EP and a split, we didn't have all of those songs written yet. Okay. And so there was this like sort of deadline to like, okay, we have to write all these songs. So it basically was just like, I would bring up a riff that I had maybe put on a voice memo, in one case, four years earlier. <laughs> there was a little thing that was in, existed as a voice memo, that's the song Mouth Speak from the Tiny Fires EP. It was on there, it was as a voice memo for four or five years, and I was just like bringing up every idea that had ever come across the band chat mm. and we just like basically finished them there like if, it, if something was worthwhile we would we would sit down and finish it yeah um and so a lot of the songs came from like that sort of marathon uh that was between bloodline and march so mm. the first bloodline was yeah. when we decided to do all of it and that was like a yeah like a three month just a three month marathon of practicing every week and writing new songs constantly yeah um so how many how many guys are in spaceships i was four of us okay nice yeah cool and you, do you guys have any plans for a physical release of the record so many plans <laughs> um we are just a Actually, no, we're not a few dollars away. We have uh, just now gotten enough money in pre-sales to put down the deposit for a vinyl present. Sick. Um, so that is happening. There are CDs that are going to be made because moms still want to buy CDs. <laughs> um, and we actually, there's a visual album that was released All right. as well. Because um, I was like, you know what? I can't play shows, but maybe I can make a real cool video. Yeah. So I made just an album-long collage, basically. And that is being released on VHS. Oh, sick. Um, yeah, so there was also uh, a cassette release um, through our friends at Friend Club Records uh, who are doing some really kick-ass stuff right now. Awesome. Uh, but they just released the new Caterpillars LPs through them. Uh, 100 Year Ocean, which is one of the founders of The World's Beautiful Place. Okay. Yeah, um, she just released a new EP through them. Um, they're up uh, on the hammers through there. There's this great indie folk thing out of Germany called Sandco mm. that is just so good. It's cool. like if almost like if Bright Eyes was fronted by Paul Simon <laughs> instead of Conor Oberst. Wow. Um, the band called the Natural Twenties. Uh, it was just a really good, solid, like, late 90s emo. Like, there are tracks on there that you think was on Sunday Day's Rising Time. Sick. Um, and one of those guys is in a project called Reagan Solace as well. Uh, there's a Jesse Sprinkle project called The Cora. They just printed. Oh, okay. Um, so they're just, yeah, so they're just doing a whole bunch of, yeah. like, limited run tapes. And nice. I would show those now for you, but... <laughs> They're sold out. Word. So, 
Yeah, Jesse's. Yeah, the, vinyl, the vinyl and the, and the VHS and the CD are all. Awesome. Still up for pre order with flags and hats and shirts. And yeah. We sell hot sauce. Awesome. <laughs> which was really good when we played shows, but, <laughs> you know, it's not so great now. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse Sprinkle. I don't know if you know he lives. He lives right like right outside yeah. of Rochester. So, I a... I am aware of that because I have a friend that lives in Rochester whose dad is in Bacora with okay. Jesse. Weird. And he may have dated Jesse's daughter probably. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I saw Jesse play a couple months ago at a, a coffee shop right here in Rochester. And right on. Good dude. Real good yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's another guy who's just been in everything. Yeah. Like, I feel like if there's not a band that Matthew Putman's been in, just <laughs> Yeah. Uh, random question. So when you played your acoustic dad joke set at... Uh, <laughs> at uh, yeah. Uh, jokes. Yeah. The, uh, the song about Sting and Hulk Hogan, is that recorded oh, yeah. anywhere? Yes, it is. That Sick. is on Awesome. And there's a video... There's a video somewhere that I can send you. <laughs> Sick. That was, yeah, that was part of the marathon sprint of writing all those ska songs. Yeah. When we started a ska band, we're like, oh, shoot, I guess we got to write some songs. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I like Sting a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Just took a theme song and wrote a ska band, a ska song around <laughs> So, not to get too off track, but uh, how how are, how, are yeah. you, how are you enjoying the? Uh, you know, I, I I try to bring wrestling into this podcast as much as I can. Oh, yes. Um, so, how have you Actually, been? The first podcast I went on, the first podcast I went on to promote this album was a wrestling podcast. Nice, nice. So, how have you been enjoying the Corona era of pro wrestling? I have been very glad that WWE was watching AEW. Yeah. Because I feel like AEW handled it really well right away. Yeah. And it took WWE so long. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Thunderdome yet. But we're going to see about that. Um, I I really like the the house crowd for the NXT shows, though. I yeah. Because like, that's always been the vibe that NXT has. Um, but it's weird. I really love to see like who is getting attention just and who is getting booked just on the merit of that they are able to be there. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a really bad situation to be in when your top performers are just are immunocompromised and can't. Yeah. So like Roman Reigns. Uh, was just gone and uh, spoiler alert for SummerSlam <laughs> I was legit I marked out when Roman came back <laughs> I was surprised I, and I'm not a big Roman fan either but I, I, I enjoyed I, it I, I don't like the way he's booked I yeah. often don't like the way that he's like used in the story but he's he strikes me as just a legitimately good guy that's, that's the vibe I get to and like I, I'm like, you know what? I like this guy as a person. I want to see this dude succeed. And so I like marked out when he Yeah. And I am real excited to see him face the team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be the match that is gonna happen. Um oh, but the fiend the firefly match. 
I think, best thing that's happened in WWE in years. The the Mania match? Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. With Bray Wyatt and John Cena, that was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Um, But no, like, I've loved seeing, like, Bailey and Sasha carry the brands. Mm Mm-hmm. They are so funny right now. <laughs> and they are, like, when there was no crowd at all and Michael Cole would say something on commentary yeah. and Bailey would scream at him from the <laughs> ring. <laughs> like, that's so funny. Um, I really liked all the attention Zelina Vega and her stable's been getting. Yeah. I think she's maybe a top ten all-time manager. For sure. She's, she's one of the she's best we've seen so in a long good. time. He's so good. Um, I'm waiting for my man Alistair Black to get that push. I didn't watch Raw. Don't spoil it. I know he turned heel, but I'm waiting for my man to get that push. Um, yeah. And like, of course. I was just gonna like say it's Keith been. Lee. Oh, dude, Keith Lee is so rad. It's been the it's been, it's been interesting to like kind of see now that like. Uh, like it was, I love that Alistair Black theme song with the dude from Incendiary yeah. on the vocals. Like, they yeah. they they know that we like punk and metal kids are out here watching now, and they're not just you know feeding us the butt rock. Well, shoot, Code Orange did the theme for yeah. Wyatt. Yeah, which I, I mean, I'm not did. I'm not like super into newer Code Orange, but like I think it's yeah. cool that they're doing it. Like, them, but I was like, I know of them. Like, yeah. I know the scene I, I usually hang out yeah they were but, you know but, weirdly enough they were supposed to play a basement show here in rochester at my old house forever wow. ago like 2011 or something like that but now okay. they're but now they're playing you know wwe NXT. yeah yeah uh and then like they, when they had poppy play that takeover yeah it's like that's i'm like i don't know who this is but i'm into it <laughs> i am into this yeah, um, it's you know it's 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 a cool time to be a wrestling fan because there's like so yeah. much, so much stuff going on, there's so much so to keep much. up with. And like I feel like AEW really is killing the game. Yeah. Um, like my favorite thing that's happened this whole time was Chris Jericho filling in for Jim Ross on oh, the announce table. He was he's perfect. He's uh, gonna like he's gonna have like when he, he finally does retire. Career once oh he yeah. Yeah, he's and he's perfect for it. He's like I feel like there are just some people that have like the best instincts for the business. And those people are Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega. Yeah. Like they're all in AEW. Yeah. Um and so it's it's frustrating being a WWE fan and like watching I feel like Triple H probably has pretty good instincts himself. And so like Watching Vince just crap on everything I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's always frustrating. Like, when when Aleister Black debuted on Raw, I was like, oh no. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Because he was a monster on the NXT. Yeah. And now he's like just playing second fiddle to Rey Mysterio. Um, <laughs> which is great. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but give my man that push. Uh, but no, like, AEW's instincts are just so good. Yeah. Just so good. And the best thing that's been said on any announce table ever is when Darby Allen hit a Kobe Suicido and 
Tony Schiavone called that, mm-hmm. and Chris Jericho said, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what suicido means, but it looks like Darby Allen just committed suicide. <laughs> 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 on top of it they've you know it's the whole time but WWE's fine trying to figure it out I actually was supposed to go to Wrestlemania this year um <laughs> the the CEO of the company I work for knows that I'm a wrestling fan and Ric Flair and Hogan are both clients oh wow and so he actually he actually flew me down one time to meet Ric Flair I actually have a uh, it, people on the podcast can't see it but I have a signed Ric Flair poster oh that's amazing yeah. <laughs> it's uh that's the the logo of the company and they, they dressed him up like rick flair and he yeah. blew me down to beat rick flair one time. so cool um because he knew he was going to be the office but he goes to wrestlemania every year and is always this year it was in tampa and the company's based in st pete okay so he's always like yeah if you can fly down i'll get you a ticket but this time he was like for real about it yeah because like he didn't have to fly so yeah so i was supposed to go to wrestlemania <laughs> but it didn't exist so I yeah. got one of those I wasn't at Wrestlemania shirts yeah yeah that that sucks um, yeah but that's wrestling yeah no I <laughs> I uh, could talk about wrestling all day but I don't wanna you know it's the same I'm also like it'll probably be like two weeks before I put this before I drop this out so like <laughs> so you know if we get too into it then we're then it's just gonna be too much to cut out cause it'll be like even more outdated <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I just picked this up now that I'm. You know, once again, this is not good for a, for an audio podcast, but. Uh, oh, dude. Yeah, these. Uh, was the, I, was the, in there? I can see the reflection. Uh, it is the giant and Conan. Right on. Yeah, this is. Uh, I, have, I just picked that up. I have. I have Sting on my desk. Nice. <laughs> so. Yeah. Enough about wrestling. Back yeah. To, Back to the album. Yeah. So what you know? What are your what are your plans as far as you know? Obviously, you don't know a whole lot because the world is yeah. a dystopian hellscape. But so you know, what's what comes next for spaceships? Obviously, you're going to do the physical releases. But yeah, uh, it's it's pushing that. It's releasing that out. Um, we're thinking about doing some live videos, uh, performance videos. Um, maybe an outdoor show um our church has been meeting outside like we have this nice big lawn behind our building and yeah there's this big tree that we set up a like a pallet wood stage on and it's been it's felt safe it's felt good yeah um so like we've spaceships played one show in june the first day indiana allowed live performances and it was a night and so there are shows happening that we are not seeking out yeah um but that seemed like a, I, I cleared it with my with the rest of my church staff and like they're good with if i want to have a show sweet um so that might happen maybe uh i'll have to plan it for pretty soon because the weather's about to change yeah um but that would be really really kind of special because actually a lot of the songs were written out of 
uh, a pretty church specific trauma okay. that happened. And so like to, and some of the songs were written like while I was sitting in the church reeling from, I can, I can tell a little bit of the story. So it was, uh, our church was planted by a husband wife couple about seven years ago, six and a half years ago, whatever. Um, um, three years ago, found out that the husband had been having an affair mm. with the with the wife's uh, best friend, who he actually ordained. They ordained her as the outreach pastor the week before the affair came. Yeah. And so, because God ain't gonna be mocked, so <laughs> if you're gonna ordain the woman you're sleeping with, uh, yeah, it's gonna come out. Um, but so, uh, we just sort of like had this thing and like deciding like it was it it was a lot of things you know like it was it was a the rug coming out from everything it was a collapse yeah. of everything we thought like we didn't know if we would have a job I I didn't know if I would have a job in a month you know yeah. And we were intent, like our intention was to keep going. Our intention was to do it as long as we could. But, um, you know, who knew, who knew what our pastor wanted to do? Like, and she wasn't sure what she wanted to do. And so she was, you know, took a sabbatical to figure that out and took a sabbatical and was trying to figure out like, what do I do here? Like the Christian thing is like to, you know, just reconcile with the guy and pretend that you're all okay. But then like, what do you do when you find out that the person that you've been, in her case, married to for 15 years, and in my case, working for for the last yeah. seven years, is just a complete raging narcissist sociopath? <laughs> like, what do you do with that? And so that's the other person who picks inspiration. Just like realizing that, okay, there's this, this person that I thought I trusted is just this monster. Mm-hmm. who I just can't I, I can't right, how do I reconcile that and so uh, it sort of accidentally happened that a lot of the songs were written in that time about that time through that time and so um, like in tongues is literally me and like on accident mind you inhabiting the question on whether or not my friend is going to divorce her husband or not mm-hmm. and like written from that perspective and like uh the last song pillars was written literally in a church meeting mm-hmm. while we're reeling from all this and i pull up my phone and start writing it yeah and it was an accident that it turned out to be so thematic but um and also an accident to write a song about the world ending <laughs> that is released in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, it felt uh, it, it felt very relevant. <laughs> yeah, it was written in a time of personal calamity that then became very relevant in the global calamity into which it was released. Yeah. I loved where that went at the end of that track as well. Like, also, I mean, it was the last track on the record, and I just listened yeah. to it today, um, so it kind of sticks out. But uh, yeah, because I mean, you know, when when you're listening when you're listening to something, and like, I mean, obviously, I didn't listen to it all in one sitting because I was like working today, 
And so, like, I got done with work, and I put it on, and it was, like, halfway through that song where I had stopped, and I was like, oh, it's like, oh, it keeps on going for, like, another two minutes. It's cool, but it keeps on going for another two minutes. And then I was like, oh, that guitar riff is so good. Like, (laughs) uh, I was... Yeah, that's actually actually one of, probably, in terms of, in terms of, like, guitar parts I've written, that's the one, that's maybe the one that makes me feel like I'm the best at guitar. <laughs> like, not just, like, not just, like, the tapping riff that comes in, but, yeah. like, the way, like, the little things that I'm, like, interspersing between phrases and stuff. Um, and, like, the, the, I flip through, like, I'm playing the same chords. The progression is pretty simple. It's just D-A-D-A-D-A, yeah. infinitum. But like I play the chords differently each time I play it. Okay. And so I'm just moving between all these shapes, um, and then like the phrasings, like I'm just like this is a this is a good this is a good. good yeah, yeah, like, I, I'm sure you, I, I mean, I'm sure people can relate to that. I mean, you see how long a track is, and you're like, oh, does it have to be that long? Because I'm always typically kind of a minimalist as far as that goes. And then I was yeah. very pleasantly surprised with where it, with the journey it took me on. Uh, that's uh, the last, like, two minutes of the track. Wow. Yeah. I also, yeah. I loved uh, the way the bass sounded throughout the entire record. It had a, just, oh, the yeah. fuzz on that uh, sounded uh, so good. Yeah, um, yeah, Dave Mantel, who mixed it, did a super great job. Yeah. And, um, our bassist was actually a little bummed because he recently just got a new cab. Okay. That sounds absolutely gorgeous. I think it might be the same cab that the guy, that Brian Cook from Russian Circles has. Okay, wow. Um, he's like our tone, like, platonic (laughs) ideal as far as bass tone is concerned. (laughs) Um, it might, I think it's that same one. It might be somebody else. I might be completely way off base and he could correct me at some point when he listens to this, but, uh, then he'll text me and tell me I'm wrong. But, um, he was like, oh man, I wish I had this when we recorded, but Dave made do. He made frick do. Yeah, it sounds great. Cool. Well, any, anything else, you know, you want to talk about, about the record? I don't want to, you know, um, you know, I I really enjoyed it. I hope that yeah. whoever is listening to this podcast that's not familiar with the band checks it out. I hope so. I yeah. Because so. I can't really play shows or go on tour right now, so I'm just going on different podcasts. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. And I was just gonna say. I hope that. Uh, I hope that eventually the world gets normal enough in a way that we can. Yeah. Uh. You know, people can tour again, and that's uh. Yeah. And get out here and play in Rochester. We've uh. We've got a cool yeah, scene here in this in this, sort of this city. Up towards that way, actually, like if we, there's the thought of taking a, like after audio feed to do another week long, like that would have taken us out there, like yeah. at least to Buffalo. Yeah. At least to Buffalo. Yeah, which is super uh, close to here. Yeah, we were sort of thinking about Toronto just because we want to play in Canada, but that can be a little complicated a these days. Yeah, there's probably a lot of yeah. We can't go there now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but well, you know, hopefully, like I said, I hopefully that uh, yeah. you know when things do get back to the whatever the norm new normal is, that uh, you guys can get out here and play, and 
You got Absolutely. you Absolutely. got uh, couches and floors to sleep on in Rochester. So right on, right on. Sick. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I really, I really appreciate yeah. you hanging out. It's nice to to meet you face to face after. Uh, just kind of yeah, sure. liking each other's wrestling posts on, on the Facebooks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Nice. Well, I. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to. I'll let you go, and I think I'm going to turn on NXT. So. Right on. All right. Have a good night, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Later on. Stay safe. Yep, you too.
just heard The Man Called Sting by Dad Jokes. And if I would have heard that song when I was 10 years old, it would have been my favorite thing in the world because Sting and Ska were two of my favorite things and kind of still are. So anyway, I really hope you guys enjoyed the conversation I had with Nathaniel. Make sure you check out that Spaceships record. It's super dope. And, you know, there are going to be links to a bunch of the other cool things that were mentioned in the episode in the show notes. So be sure to check that out as well. I will be coming back at you guys next week with another new episode. My guest on that episode is a really old friend of mine. Speaking of, like, 10-year-old Adam, uh, my friend Andrew Garner, who I was friends with as a 10-year-old, he and I talk about his musical journey we hadn't talked in a long time so it was a fun one i hope you guys enjoy it anyway thank you as always for listening to my podcast i really appreciate every single one of you who takes the time to uh give this a listen all right later